From the Ground Up, a podcast of the Alabama Extension Home Grounds team, educating you about home landscapes, gardens, and home pests. Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Brian Brown. I'm the host of From the Ground Up. And this week, we are joined by Jack Lee Croy. He is a regional extension agent in southwest Alabama, and he's going to talk about coastal plants. So, Jack, welcome. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about the Gulf Coast. There's a there's a lot of plants that can you can grow down in South Alabama that we can't grow here in North Alabama. Tell us some of the unique characteristics that you deal with uh, down in the uh, Gulf Coast area. Well, I'll tell you. So I'm originally from North Alabama, so I've gotten kind of a firsthand experience of how different things can be from North Alabama to South Alabama. So I'm currently in Mobile, Alabama right now. And there's a lot of things that I've learned since being here in 2017. You know, a lot of plants down here, I I always tell my clients and my master gardeners that, uh, you know, if you're from another part of the state or another part of the nation, you might as well just go ahead and forget everything that you've learned about gardening. Uh, because it's completely different down here. You have to deal with extreme heat. You have to deal with hurricanes. Uh, You have to deal with humidity. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that we are in the top three yearly for rainfall in North America, which can make things very, very difficult. So that's just a couple of examples of why it can be a little difficult trying to garden and do anything horticulture related down here in South Alabama. Yeah, I know that a lot of plants are grown down there. So things like azaleas, I know azaleas are huge uh, down in the Mobile area. Uh, there's a lot of nurseries that grow those and uh, really just a, nurseries are growing all kinds of plants down there. So it's a very unique environment, but there are some great benefits. You know, you get to extended growing seasons, you get a lot of things like that, but there's also the the dangers and the pitfalls that come with gardening in that in that environment. Oh yeah, so there's definitely the pros and the cons for sure. Just like with anything, uh, I do enjoy growing citrus now that I didn't get to grow in North Alabama, uh, and so um, you know, of course, I have to not try to grow my dogwoods and redbuds because they are prone to uh, certain diseases that we just can't get by with down here in South Alabama. Uh, So if I want to enjoy those, I'm going to go up back up to Huntsville in the spring and see the beautiful dogwoods and get my dogwood fix so I can uh, enjoy those and not try to grow those down here in South Alabama. So that's just kind of one example there. Yeah, so what kind of plants do grow well down in that environment? And let me ask you this, the Gulf Coast, the immediate Gulf Coast, like Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, that area, how does that differ from the Mobile area where you're located? This gets into kind of, you know, the different hardiness zones. Mobile and North Mobile County, North Baldwin County, they're a lot different than the south parts of their county. So you've got Dolphin Island, in Mobile County, you've got Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, and Baldwin County. And when you think about it, there's actually a total zone difference from the north part of those counties to the south part. Uh, and so south part of uh, Mobile and Baldwin County, you've got, you start to get into 9A in the hardiness zone. And that's where we really have to consider the salt tolerance of certain plants. A lot of people that move to any coastal environment 
They don't necessarily really think about the salt tolerance. Not all plants can handle salt tolerance. And so even when you start talking about turf grass, you've got to think about, okay, salt spray from the ocean and kind of the technical definition of determining if a plant is salt tolerance is uh, one eighth of a mile from the ocean. And so one eighth of a mile from the ocean, that's where you really have to consider the salt tolerance of plants and really take that into consideration before ever putting a plant in the ground. Now, when you get into the north part of the counties, uh, you can kind of, you know, play around a little bit more and have more variety as far as what you can grow. But we still have to consider a lot of different things as far as as far as plants are concerned. You know, you mentioned azaleas a second ago. So mobiles actually named the Azalea City. We have uh, an Azalea Trail Run. We have all of these Azalea uh, type of inspired things in Mobile. And one thing I try to press upon my clients is there's not just one type of Azalea. So you've got Azaleas that can grow three feet tall. You have Azaleas, I call the Formosa Azalea, the VW Bug Azalea, because it can get (laughs) about as big as a VW Bug. You know, that's going to really determine where you put that in your landscape. Definitely don't want that in front of a low window. Uh, And so we can, we have a lot of variety down here with plants, but it really is big on, you have to kind of research, you know, call your extension agent, go to a arboretum, go to a botanical garden, see what's been established for a while. And that has dealt with a lot of these conditions down here. Yeah. That's one thing I suggest when people you know, what do I put in my landscape? I always try to mention, go to your local garden center or local um, arboretum, botanical garden, just somewhere around in your area and see what they've got going on, see what they have planted and see what's doing well there. So what type of plants do well in Mobile and just the southern part of Alabama? When I think about this question, because I have a lot of, you know, homeowners, master gardeners that ask me this question. So there's I could give you lists and lists of plants, but the one thing that comes to my mind when I think about plants is they have to be tough to grow down here. I'll give you one example. Afternoon sunlight down here is going to be a little bit different than the afternoon sun, say, in Tennessee. Um, We have, you know, kind of extreme heat down here where in the afternoon you could be pushing, you know, close to 100 or over heat index. And, uh, you know, certain plants, they're going to kind of melt in that afternoon, that afternoon sunlight. I know at the botanical garden here, they have a really large camellia section, uh, which camellias are always fun. You've got the japonicas and you've got the sasanquas, azaleas. You can have a lot of fun with palm trees down here. There's a lot of different plant material down here, um, you know, kind of just trying to walk myself through my my own yard. I have, you know, things like pink muley grass. Uh, I have podocarpus. That is an evergreen that I really like that seems to handle a lot more diseases and different pressures down here in South Alabama. Uh, I've got uh, dianella or flax lily. I, of course, have a citrus tree, uh, satsuma. That's one thing that we have to consider. And when I teach any type of fruit tree class down here, you know, not all citrus are created equal. So that's one thing I press upon my clients. Kumquats and satsumas are the most cold hardy citrus. Even just because we're in South Alabama does not mean that we do not get cold. Every winter can be completely different than the last. We got pretty cold this year. And so 
planting blood oranges and navel oranges and that type of thing, those are the first ones that really get hit back by freezing temperatures. So you really have to do your research and kind of figure out how much maintenance, how much time do I want to put into these plants. Uh, but those are just some kind of examples that I have in my own yard. Um, but you can have a huge variety of plants in your own landscape. So, Jack, you mentioned palm trees, and I think a lot of people don't understand. There's actually palms, if you really love palms, there are some palm trees that you can plant, you know, further north. It doesn't have to be coastal plants. So there are hardy palms, right? There are hardy palms. And so whenever I teach woody ornamentals in South Alabama, we do go over palm trees. There are some palm trees, you know, south of Orlando that you're only going to see them south of Orlando. Uh, there are other palm trees. You know, I'm originally from Center, Alabama. I tell people I spell it the fancy way, C-E-N-T-R-E. <laughs> and there's a, I can't, I think it might be a sable palm that someone has in their front yard in uh, Center, Alabama. And, uh, you know, I always think, how did that palm tree acclimate to that? And again, I tell, I tell a lot of my clients that plants are like people. So plants, not all plants are created equal. Some like it a little more cold, some like it a little more hot. Some do not like cold and do not like hot. And so uh, palms are no different. I've seen many plantings before where some people didn't understand the environment and they went in with several different palms. Let's take a queen palm, for example. Those are not cold hardy. And a lot of them died. And palms are not inexpensive. They can be many thousands of dollars, depending on what size you buy. So you really have to figure out exactly what palm tree you want. And also the height, they all don't get to the same height. They all have different growth rates. Uh, so I always love a palm tree and kind of playing around with the palm trees because that just makes me feel uh, like I'm in a tropical environment. Some people, if you're not near the coast, they they don't tend to like a palm tree in their yard because it kind of looks out of place. But I always say, you know, if you love palms, then definitely experiment with uh, some of the palm trees that uh, you might have access to. So what type of plants do not do well down on the Gulf Coast? So there are a lot of plants that we have to kind of consider that they might not be as long-lived, uh, and they might not be as low maintenance as we want. My, almost every person I come in contact with, the first thing that they say that they want in their landscape is low maintenance. Yep. And so I always tell people, I'm going to work with you on low maintenance, but there are certain things that we have to know. A lot of people that move to the coastal area of Alabama or really any state, they want to bring these plants that they have seen from different areas or they've gotten to grow in another state Dogwoods is an example. That's one that gets a fungus uh, pretty bad down here. They're just not long-lived. Redbuds are the same way. If we think about fruit trees, then you've got apples and peach trees. Many of my clients want an apple and a peach tree, and you can grow them down here, but you're also going to be on a very rigid spray schedule. If you're not spraying every week, you're spraying every other week. Uh, and then things like Leyland cypress, that's kind of a a very common evergreen tree that there's a disease called bot rot or botrytis rot that it can get. And when we deal with high humidity, when we deal with 70 plus inches of rain a year, and then let's say someone puts them too close together, 
things that are prone to fungal and bacterial problems, they're just going to not be very long lived if we are not taking every precaution necessary uh, in our landscapes, in our orchards, in our vegetable gardens, that type of thing. So the biggest thing to deal with down here is just fungal and bacterial problems. We really have to concentrate on air circulation down here on the Gulf Coast. So what are some underutilized plants that folks down there near the coast that really need to incorporate into their landscape or things that you really like that really do well or that you've seen do well down there? Well, one thing, and I'm, I will kind of go off of the spring that I've had, I've been inundated with lawn calls over the past, you know, two or three months. The big, broad grouping of plants that I would, I would like more people to utilize are shade plants. And so a lot of times we try to grow grass in areas that grass is just not going to grow. You know, under a live oak tree, we have beautiful live oaks here. Uh, We have heavy shade in certain parts of our yard, possibly. So I always push people to incorporate more shade plants and stop trying to get grass to grow where it's not going to grow. But things like uh, uh, Fargusium, or I like to call it Farfagum, just because that's funner. It's more <laughs> that is more fun to say. Uh, or the tractor seat plant. There's different things like there's a lot of different ferns that we can grow down here. I really like ferns. You know, heart's tongue fern, royal fern. I have incorporated a split leaf philodendron into my landscape this past. I think it was this past fall. And so that gives more of that tropical vibe, but, you know, it came back through our winter um, and they usually come back. There's a lot of different types of shade plants that uh, that I try to incorporate different things. I've already mentioned one with uh, uh, podocarpus. That's a really good evergreen that I really haven't seen a lot of issues with. I don't really have to prune it, you know, every month or anything like that. So it's pretty low maintenance. And I always tell people, any plant that I'm putting into my own landscape or garden, I want it to have a dual purpose. So I want it to be aesthetically pleasing, but if it feeds something else, if it feeds me, if it feeds wildlife, uh, that is a benefit. And so I always try to pick plants that can have two purposes. I'll, you know, One that I have, for example, is a pineapple guava. So you can eat the flowers, um, you can kind of put them as a garnish on a plate, and they also make a nice kind of hedge uh, with those. And so that's another example of, uh, of a plant that um, you know, might be underutilized in our area. So earlier you mentioned some of the problems that you experienced down there, you know, natural disasters and things like that, heat, And, you know, not only just heat, but also cold. We had a huge cold cold snap back in December, and I'm sure a lot of the plants down there got hit also, right? Uh, For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, that's another thing, you know, like you said earlier, dealing with not just the heat, but the cold also has has a detrimental effect because these plants are not really used to that kind of thing. So what are some other things? You mentioned salt, saltwater tolerance. Uh, or salt, salt spray tolerance. What about some insects? I know that you all had problems with uh, with snails, right? Yeah, so last year I started getting a lot of calls. It started in Baldwin County, and there was a snail called the ghost Bulamulus snail. Never had I come in contact with this, and I had a frantic homeowner that had called me, and they said, I am inundated with snails. They're crawling up the side of my house. They're on my fence. They're all in my yard. The homeowner sent me some pictures and I was pretty flabbergasted at the number 
of them. And so uh, I had found a contact that deals with snails and mollusks and got to talking to them about it. And they were, it's actually an invasive species that has moved. They have it in Florida. It's moving over you know, into the panhandle now into Baldwin and Mobile County. It's one of those issues that we just don't have a great answer for yet. And I I try to press upon a lot of my clients that, you know, yes, we are in the year 2023, but there are still a lot of horticulture questions that we don't have the answers to yet. And so a lot of my homeowners and clients, they want me to give them a quick spray or something that they can go buy. And we just don't have that. So I heard of a lot of um, innovative, yet not probably wise treatments for the snails because people were just really fed up. And the, the contact that I was working with, he said, the best thing that you can do to get rid of them is to get you and several friends together and go start picking them. And oh. I was like, ooh, <laughs> that's going to be not not many people want to hear that answer, unfortunately. What are some of the things that you heard that would not work? Some of the more well, ridiculous things. Well, so I had one that was just, I, I think they had gone and bought just buckets of like pool salt and they were just throwing it out in their yard And, you know, that kind of deals, that kind of gets into a lot of the soil issues, because if, if we don't have the research as to what's going on when we apply a product, then we don't really know what we're doing to the microorganisms and the insects that are already in that soil. And so you really could be killing a lot of beneficials uh, by applying something that we don't know how to apply. Again, we see a lot of things online that we can make a video look great by we sprayed this concoction, look at this beautiful plant. Well, is there really research out there to support it? That's really something we have to consider with really everything that we see nowadays. Yeah, throwing salt on your yard is is a very bad idea. Right, exactly. So Jack, tell me about some of the unique characteristics about the Alabama Gulf Coast. Well, I will tell you that I'd never really spent much time on the Alabama Gulf Coast. When I was in North Alabama, we would always travel Destin or Orlando or somewhere, either going straight to the beach or going to Disney World, something like that. And so I'd never spent much time in Mobile and Baldwin County. And since I've been here since 2017, it's been a real eye-opening experience because they they call it the Amazon of North America. And I never knew that before. And so there's an area in between the bay, Mobile Bay, and there's a causeway. And on that causeway, there's an area called Five Rivers. Uh, It's a big outdoor area. And it's actually where all five rivers come together in Alabama. The Mobile River, the Spanish River, uh, Tinsall River, Appalachia, and Blakely River, they all come together. And the biodiversity, they say, is one of the most biodiverse areas in all of North America. And we start talking about uh, salamanders, snails, crawfish, turtles. You can see so many species. And so that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me when I moved down here because I never knew that such a biodiverse area. And Alabama is very biodiverse in the state regardless, but I never knew 
this area really existed until I moved down here and really got a really good glimpse of uh, everything that you can see down here in South Alabama. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand how special and unique the entire state is. I think we're I think we may have moved up to number four now in biodiversity. And it's just a really unique state and it it really is Alabama the beautiful. It's a it's a beautiful state. I love North Alabama, but you know, the the South Alabama has its beauty too. And and such biodiversity is always really unique to see and understand. And when you know and you understand how unique it is, you appreciate it more. And, you know, we encourage people to get outside and go see these things. Yeah, I mean, I always I always miss, because I had spent a lot of time up in Little River Canyon. And so that's kind of where, you know, Gadsden Center area, that's where I spent a lot of my time. But then be, still being able to be in the same state and coming down here and being surrounded by water, marshes, just the huge biodiversity, you know, getting to see alligators and all that type of stuff. It's, uh, it's kind of, you kind of forget sometimes that you're in Alabama, um, depending on what part you go through. So it's definitely kind of a secret with, uh, you know, again, my whole life, I never really paid attention until it took me moving here to really see the uniqueness of South Alabama. Yeah, and I could say the same thing about North Alabama. I lived in Auburn most of my life, and you know, coming up here to North Alabama, you know, every every morning I drive across the causeway into Gunnersville, and it's just really unique to see, you know, not just the plant life, but you know, especially the uh, the ducks and and the birds that are along the lake. Uh, it just it changes every week. There's a new species of bird that's coming in, and they flock there on the lake. So it's really it's really neat to see throughout the season things changing. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's I I tell people if you ever go to a certain area, like if you go to a park or you go to uh, kind of a, a outdoor recreation area, go every season because usually you're going to see something completely different uh, depending on the season and the time of year. Yeah, so get out there. Explore our beautiful state. Go go to the Gulf Coast and uh, and see the plant life and see the the wildlife. It's a it's a fun thing to do. So, what are some things that you would want a homeowner to know that's either moving into the area or just curious about things that they can use in their yard or garden? Hmm, that is a good question. So, I would definitely say take it slow and do your research. Uh, again, if you're from another part of the state, and even you know when I teach. I always say if you're from Birmingham, if you're from Huntsville, yes, that is the same state, but it is completely different. And so, you know, plants that you might have been able to grow there, you might still not be able to get away with them down here in South Alabama. Uh, I tell a lot of people all the time, my job is to help save you time and money. And uh, I try to do that by helping you make the best decision. So, one thing I try to get my homeowners to realize is just the amazing amount of rainfall that we get. Uh, that causes a, it's a good thing, but on the other side, it can be a bad thing if we have made wrong decisions in our landscape. So if we have planted plants too close together, if we have an irrigation system, you know, you're going to have to be mindful. I can't tell you how many times I drive through uh, neighborhoods and businesses and their irrigation systems are on and it's coming a four inch rain. Uh, and I think that's pretty common. We see a lot of that um, 
a lot of different times, but there are devices you can put on your irrigation system for it to cut off if it senses rain. Uh, just get to know your environment and, you know, talk to seasoned gardeners, talk to uh, different people that have been in the area, you know, talk to us. We can definitely help you with that uh, because, you know, if you don't want to put the amount of time into spraying weekly for apple trees, well, we might have to go with something different. I, everybody always asks what type of fruit trees are low maintenance here. I always say, figs, persimmons, and citrus. Those are the three most low maintenance down here as far as fruit trees are concerned. Everything else, you're going to have to put a lot more time into trying to get that fruit from. So just learning a couple of things along the way. Well, Jack, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your insight on living in the Gulf Coast and, and South Alabama. So as always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to any of us agents and we'll be glad to help you. So until next time, thanks. Thanks, Brian. From the Ground Up is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System. 